Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the 167 Podcast. We are in Episode 8. I am Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church. I'm here with my friend, media pastor, Joshua Harrell. Hey, everybody. Hello. Thanks for joining us on episode eight of the 167 podcast. I think this is the longest um, episodic thing we've done besides the Sundays so far. <laughs> is it? Is I it really? So. Wow. Okay, cool. That's awesome. When, uh, just thank you so much for everyone who's been listening. If you're tuning in for the first time, hey, we're really glad you're here. We started this podcast um, eight a weeks series ago. Of, oh, hey, yeah, there you go. <laughs> eight weeks ago, we were doing a series called The 167, and we were talking about in the series, like, how can we... Um, you know, live into our relationship with God outside of, you know, what is the kind of the norm of coming to church every week. And so we talked a lot about that. And one of the things we did in that series is said, hey, let's introduce this podcast. Let's give it, you know, as a way for people to kind of check in, tune in during the week, talk a little bit more about the message and maybe mm-hmm. other things. And then we ended that series, but not the podcast. And so now we are in this series right now called The Gospel According to Genesis, Yep, and um, it's been good. We've had uh, four weeks of it so far, and it's actually, this will lead us up to Easter, so, or Palm Sunday, this, right. the Sunday before Easter. Um, for some reason, my Siri button is going off right now, like it's just wanting to, I don't know, it's just listening in. It's weird. It wants to listen to the podcast. Probably, yeah. 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 <laughs> So, um, but really, but thank you listeners for, uh, being a part of this and tuning in. And as always, what we say is please, you know, like it, like it, subscribe and share it. Yeah. Do all those things. Yep. So, um, especially subscribe if you, if you tend to listen every week, that helps us to know how many people are listening every week. So if you hit the subscribe button, we, it lets us know that you're, you're devoted to the podcast and we can keep it going past this. Yeah, series. for sure, because that's the thing we've said is, hey, we'll, we'll keep it up at least until Easter and see how it goes, and because, uh, of course, we would love to continue to do this, but, you know, at the same time, we want to make sure we're producing content and offering something that is of benefit to you guys and that you appreciate, so. It has been a crazy week, Joshua. Man, oh, man. Well, last week and this week, um, there's a lot going on in the denomination that we are a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we're gonna, but we're gonna talk about Abraham first. But let's, uh, time permitting, I think we'll be okay. Let's talk about um, at the end, towards the end of the podcast, about kind of what's going on uh, with with the United Methodist Church and where we are and and all these things because there's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, and also a lot of not. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting that. It's Dr. Sure. Seuss week, so I had to try to. Yeah, kind of. There's a lot like a, and a lot of not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, so let's talk covenant first. Ooh, okay, so yeah, um, as I mentioned, we've been we've spent four weeks so far in, in Genesis talking. We this last week we were in Genesis 17, and uh, we were looking at the covenant that God made with Abraham and. 
I have to tell you, I mean, I think as, I don't know, as a communicator, as a pastor, whatever, like you kind of have your favorite messages, I guess, that you end up preaching or in a series or whatever. And um, week one, I really just, for me, I was just like, yeah, this is good. Not, Not good that I wrote it, just it was just good for me to process it and understand it myself mm-hmm. um and then i would say that that uh, week four of the of the series uh, talking about abraham and covenant was just it was really again really good for me to process and really take in and and more deeply understand in in genesis 17 particularly but you can read about covenant throughout genesis and even going into exodus and and onward but um so yeah, we're talking about Abraham, and I mentioned Sunday that Abraham's such an important part of of uh, God's purpose and plans in the Old Testament um, that we're actually going to talk about him again this Sunday. Our student and worship pastor, Justin, is going to be sharing about the special relationship that Abraham and his son Isaac have and and what that looked like and, and mm-hmm. Abraham's faith in him. So, And the, I think the reason that... Uh, where Justin's going to go talking about the faithfulness of Abraham to carry out what God asks him to do, it comes back to covenant. It comes yeah. back to this special covenant. So I offered a, I offered a definition for covenant on Sunday. It's not my definition. It's one that's kind of widely known and used, but it's that a, that a covenant, it formally binds two parties together in a relationship on the basis of mutual commitment. So it's not a one-sided deal. It's two parties. It's, it's formal. It's, it's not just a, Hey, yeah, I gotcha. You know, it's, it's, it's serious. And it's covenant is one of the most important theological ideas that you will find in, in in all of biblical theology. And covenant is kind of one of those words that uh, we've taken and used so much that, in our minds, it's kind of lost some of its meaning and importance. But mm-hmm. how important is a covenant from a biblical standpoint? Well, God uses the covenant to set everything into motion. God uses the covenant to declare that He is God. Um, he's never He's never backed out of a covenant, and mm-hmm. so each and every covenant that He made, uh, all the way up to Jesus. Uh, was his fulfilling his promise to for, for humanity and for us to have um, new life in him mm-hmm. and redemption. So I mean, covenant is the it's the foundation. It's it's everything. It's a big right deal commitment. If you don't have covenant in scripture, mm-hmm. you just have a series of stories that sometimes seem almost outrageous. Mm-hmm. Often, yeah, and um. But when you see how the thread of covenant connects all the way along, then you see that this is a purposeful uh, event. I don't know if that's the question you were asking, or maybe you're asking more of like, what is the importance of the covenant? No, no, but, that that kind of answers it completely. Um, what what I was getting at, and this might explain it a little bit better, is there are words that people use. The words have absolute importance and meanings, like yeah. awesome, covenant, <laughs> yeah. amazing. But we use them so much yes. that they've lost their power. Yeah. But when you really go back to where they come from historically, when they use them there, oh, it's yeah. like the power of this word is absolute in right. what it means. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later about how people, when 
when we enter into covenants with each other, mm. we don't take it as seriously. No, no. And I don't, and I think it's twofold. I think it's one, we don't take it as seriously, and two, I think it's basically impossible for us to to um, not mess it up. Now, it doesn't mean we necessarily break the covenant, but I mean, you know, even you take marriage for example. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you can remain faith. You can remain in the covenant of marriage, but you might disappoint your spouse, or you might uh, do something or say something that that causes damage to the covenant you made, still choose to remain in the covenant. And, and, you know, that's kind of how God has been. He's the one that's faithful with us. So yeah, we're not that great. Listen, I gotta, I gotta make a confession. Oh my goodness. I mean, by the way, I was going, Oh, she about to confess about the marriage covenant. No, um, more like a parental covenant. So, um, you know, Drew and I were, you know, we're, we want Mal, of course we want Mallory to know about Jesus. Of course we want her. I mean, we, and we, we talk about God all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a just, you know, nothing like that, but I, we get in the car Sunday leaving church and Mallory, my daughter, she says, mom, every time you said the word covenant, it made me think of Halo which is the video game Halo. <laughs> and I was like, great, so glad that you, one, I'm just glad she heard, she listened. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Covenant, aren't they like the the, the bad I want to hear your explanation. I, I have no idea. I just, I've played it a few times with my husband. I've actually Who's... only played one Halo game. Oh, okay. Well, I've played all of them, <laughs> uh-huh. but I only played the multiplayer. Yeah. So I, I haven't gone through the story, yeah, so I have fine. no idea. Oh, uh, well, Drew could tell us. So yeah. My husband could tell us for sure. There's people listening going, idiots. Y'all are so dumb. They're either saying we're dumb because we're talking about a video game or we're dumb because we don't know about the video game. Probably both. There's no there's no middle ground there. No. There's, it's all or nothing. So, um, yeah, Covenant is, to kind of go back to your question, it is the theological glue that binds promise to fulfillment mm-hmm. um and that's where i think we can mess up because we can make promises we don't always fulfill them mm-hmm. but with god like covenant it's that feel it's that is god working and it's binding the promises he made with the fulfillment of those promises now it's generations and generations later in many cases um but it, it's fulfilled and mm-hmm. and we see eventually where jesus fulfills every covenant that god made so um so like the biblical history of salvation and the the unfolding of god's covenants are based they're they're synonymous like there's no that you don't separate them um so interesting to note we did not get into it on sunday um you could kind of say that god actually had two distinct covenants with abraham he made one with him in genesis 15 where he guaranteed uh that that Abraham would be made into a great nation. And then in the second, or or you could almost say it was a continuation of that covenant in Genesis 17, where, and, and then later ratified kind of in Genesis 22, where God affirms this promise to bless all the nations through Abraham and his offspring. So it's, it's not always just like the one-time event when God makes his covenant, but you kind of see it play out here with Abraham. Uh, we've already touched on this, but there's no doubt when we think of covenant, mm-hmm. um, we think of our relationships with each other, right? Because that's the example that we have. 
uh, I did say this. I don't know. It's it's funny. I don't remember sometimes if I say what I say at what service. So yeah. I don't know if I said this at 930 or 11. But, you know, in regard to covenant and keeping our side of the covenant, if we were God, all right, so let's all right, take the covenant that God made with Noah after the flood. They came on dry land, and God made the promise, I'm never going to flood the earth again, never going to wipe out, you know, all living things. Um how many of us, if we were we were in that position, like if when we see how humanity continues to just act the fool after Genesis nine, they kind of keep on just, just sin and murder. I mean, just everything is just oh. And how many times would we, if we were in charge, just have flooded the earth? Like how many times? Like mm. I don't know, once a week. Like right. you yeah. know. Yeah. So um, it's we don't have good examples of covenant. We just or, we really or like don't. when we're a parent and. And the kid, the kids want to do something, and then you go. Well, I know what I said, but this is we're doing this instead. <laughs> you know. Oh, parenting is fun. I said I'd never fall into like pitfalls like that, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, yep, there I am. Yeah, and you realize that after you do it, oh, never. Oh, yeah, I just did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's the, to. To me, that's the easiest place to see where I'm. I mean, I don't call them necessarily covenants, but that's where I see promises fall arise in parenting because it's very easy mm-hmm. to to break promises to your kids because at the begin, like when they're little, it's not a big deal. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. What give me give me an example? Uh, like when Adeline wants ice cream. You know, we're driving around. Well, she falls asleep in the back of the truck. I'm not going to go take her to get ice cream because she's asleep. And then when Wake she... up, little girl. I'm going to give you some sugary substance. No, yeah. that doesn't work. No. So when we get home and she wakes up, she goes, well, where's my ice cream? Mm. I'm like, you fell asleep. Oh. Sorry. And then she's like, I'm never going to sleep again. Yeah, that's usually how it works. <laughs> that's what I would do. But, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. It happens. I know. I've I've done that plenty of times. Um. Obviously, when you think about how we kind of don't do well in covenant, we you know the marriage covenant. You know, it's it's why you know divorce is so uh, has that ripple effect that it does because mm-hmm. it's a covenant that wasn't intended to be broken. And um, you know, I didn't go down this path at all on Sunday, but and I certainly hope that um, nobody felt this way. But you know, for those who have gone through divorce and who are on the other side of divorce. Um, or maybe in the midst of it, you know, I didn't want to throw out condemnation in regard to that because the reality is, is that, that we are flawed human beings. And, um, you know, just because the covenant was meant to be, uh, not meant to be broken, it doesn't mean that, 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 um, that God breaks his covenant with us when we break a human covenant with another person. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, so. and- and honestly, I think it just reinforces how strong uh, God's uh, grace and God's love mm-hmm. is, because yep. n- no one walks into a marriage covenant going, "I'm going to break this covenant." Yeah, standing before yeah each other and the the pastor and yeah. the God. I think God we even say not the... that we're not going to. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and I th- and we all have the best intentions that we're not going to break this covenant, but. You know, things happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But to show that there's nothing that we could do 
that could break the covenant that God has already had for us. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of another, I was trying to think of different examples of covenant and, um, I don't live in a neighborhood that has a covenant. Do y'all have a covenant in your neighborhood? Um, I would, I I don't desire to, but Hey, if that's your, if that's what you want to have a rusted out car in my front yard, (laughs) I don't want anyone to tell me I can't. (laughs) Gosh. Oh yeah. It's a project. It's not, I'm going (laughs) to, it's not ugly. It's a project car. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what it is. Right next to the old washer and dryer. Now, I did, when I moved here, I lived in Rumerton. And apparently they had... Is it Rumerton or Remerton? I call it Remerton. I always wondered. But but one day we came home from uh, work or something, and there was this thing. It was like this official post on my door that said, cut your grass. Oh, okay. (laughs) But that was like a city ordinance. Yeah. So So I didn't cut my grass. Which, I mean, (laughs) of course you didn't. Uh, but, but Remerton, Remerton, potato, potato, um, they're so small. It's like this little, it's like this little town inside of Valdosta. Um, it's basically like a neighborhood. So it's like a covenant. Yeah. yeah, That's why I brought it up. But like, you know, I I know, uh, again, covenant, you're like, okay, you're going to live here and you're going to pay HOA dues and then you can't have a garden. So don't even think about growing a tomato plant or, you know, you can't paint your front door fuchsia or whatever. It's like, you know, I don't know. See, I didn't mention it Sunday because it's not a very good example. But we just don't have good examples of of covenant. And God is the only one who shows us what it really, really means. I shared Sunday um, two, what I would say are distorted mindsets, like they're not okay, mm-hmm. about why some people might have a hesitation on really embracing the God of covenant and believing the God of covenant. Uh, one is that uh, they're afraid of being discarded or disappointed by God because they've been discarded or disappointed by people. Right. And that's that. On- and that's what we've been talking about. Like mm-hmm. That's the only example they have. So when someone like me or anyone... You know, says, "Hey, there. We have a God who loves you unconditionally. Like He has made a promise, and it's been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. If you don't, if you have no concept of of anything, you're kind of going, um, I don't know. I've had had some bad experiences. So that's like a distorted mindset. We need to say, okay, that's that's not how God operates. He He's not going to do that. Um, and, and of course the the point of that, and, and then the second mindset, the distorted one we need to kind of throw away and you know identify it, but then get rid of it, is that this mindset of, okay, God's, God should always forgive me no matter, and love me no matter what I do. Almost as if, I've, because God's made this covenant and God's not going to break it, then I can just go and do whatever I want, like a license to just, you know. A license to sin. License to ill. Was that was that Beastie Boys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Shout out Beastie Boys. Um, so yeah, and that's kind of how we do that. And and the what we need to remember in that is that a covenant formally binds two parties together. So it's not just God. Like I'm in a covenant with Him, and it's it's based on it's this relationship on the basis of mutual commitment. So. We don't enter into covenant lightly. We don't. We shouldn't take it lightly. It's not something we get into casually, and and we just like walk away whenever we don't feel like participating in it. Um, and and I think that's that's super important. That's you know, covenant's not something where 
where one party is totally responsible. There's this mutual commitment. So, I go ahead. Um, so we've talked about covenant, the covenant God had with Abraham, mm-hmm. but what covenant does God have with us? Mm, wow. Well, yeah. So God's covenant with us was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. the new covenant, as it is referred to. So he made four covenants that kind of across the board, you know, Bible scholars agree. He had a, a covenant with Noah, and uh, he has a covenant with Abraham. He makes a covenant with Moses. He has a um, a covenant with David and the people of Israel. And uh, all those covenants were fulfilled when Christ came in, in the form of a man and lived and died and gave himself for us. He actually fulfilled his covenant of of eternal life with us because up until then um, there was no uh, complete and f- forgiveness of sin. Like right. th- it, there was no once for all payment, you know, mm. it was like a continual need to continually make sacrifice and go, you know, Take all the these lamb things. up to the altar. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, um, so the covenant was completed in Jesus Christ. So, okay. and that's the covenant that you and I get to live in now. Right. Um, and, and that that's, that's where life is. That's where redemption is. That's where hope is mm-hmm. for new okay. life. So the the promise of forgiveness of sin and that He will always be our God and we will always be His people. Uh, there was a song that uh, the band did as our we call it the response song. It's the song right after the the message on Sunday, and I had not heard it until uh, um, Sunday morning. And it's a, or maybe he uh, did. Justin send it to you and I earlier. I think he did. I've I've heard him week. do it at Stir at, or Portal or right something else. at college and yeah, stuff. So I've yeah. heard it a couple times. And if I had, I but anyway, yeah, he sent it to us like a day or two early, and I was I've been listening to it over and over. Even when I got up here today to the church, uh, I just had it blasting in the car. But it's by uh, Maverick City, and it's called Promises, and it's just. So awesome. Um, I mean, and it was basically like, it's talking here, it's talking about the covenant that God made with Abraham and that he is the God of of promises. And it's just a beautiful song. So I throw that out there. If you're ever you know looking for something new to hear or anything like that, uh, check out Maverick City and the song Promises because it's super, super awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Sunday that I would talk about it today. So I'm going to do that because we didn't have time to really go into when you can see when you start out at reading in Genesis chapter 17, it refers to Abraham as a different name. It refers to him as Abram. And then you see where God actually says, and I'm going to change your name. There's a couple of times in scripture where God does that. Um, he changes Abraham's name and not only Abraham's name, but he changes uh, Abram's wife, who's Sarai. He changes her name as well. Um, in the original Hebrew, in the in the in the language uh, that this is written in, um, the name Abram means exalted father. Now, did it mean that before, well, or did they go Abram? I, like, like, did they go? <laughs> they read the whole Abram and Abraham story, and they go, Abram means exalted father. I don't know. Or when he was born, his mom goes. Exalted You're going to be exalted father. Like, that is a great question, and I do not know the answer. We'll need to look into that. Like, how are these names? Because, well, but see, his name does get changed it from does. Abram. It's the name Abraham. It contains another 
a root word there, which which means multitude or it means many. So Abraham translated it means father of a multitude. Mm-hmm. So not just exalted father, like, um, you know, like how we would maybe refer to like God, but like right. the father of a multitude. Um, but he didn't. But God didn't change much. Not at all. He put in a letter, one letter. Uh, and there's a significance to that particular letter that God gave to Abram and Sarai in changing their names because it's Abraham and Sarah. And what what was happened is the Lord added to each of their names this H, which actually it's it, in the Hebrew, it's pronounced hey. Um, it, it's where it's, it's connected with Yahweh. Um, and it, sometimes you'll see where people write... Y-H-W-H. It's like, that is the name of God. It was real um, popular to get tattooed when, yeah. when I, like, I was in college ministry. Oh, do you and have was, one? No. Okay, yeah. And I was kind of ignorant. I didn't know what it meant. And uh-huh. I just kind of acted like I did. You're like, what club is that? Yeah. Y-H-W-H. It was, it was like that um, when they started doing the What Would Jesus Do? And it had like the arrows uh-huh. and the rainbow thing. And oh, yeah. It was about that same time, too. And uh. I was like... I'm going to act like I'm spiritual enough to know what this is without asking. <laughs> I've never done something like that before. Um, so the hey, the H that God adds to to Abraham and Sarah, it's associated with the spirit of God. It's associated with the breath and the life of God. And this is what is so amazing because um, in Genesis chapter 2, Verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the, the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And it's believed that when Adam was created, uh, God breathed hay into Adam. Like he breathed the the into him. And uh, and he was changed from an, an inanimate, you know, piece of clay into an actual living soul. And you also see this in in the New Testament in John chapter 20 when Jesus breathed on the disciples and and they were brought into new life. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so it's that same action that's going on. Mm -hmm. So God changed their names. And so he he adds this letter, this letter, hey, the, the breath of God, and here's what's interesting, Josh. It's only after the names were changed and that the hay was added to their lives that they were able to give birth to their son, Isaac. Mm. So, I mean, it's like, wow. And so in the scriptures, the name of a person is associated with their character. So by by giving Abram and Sarai the life-giving aspect of himself, right, mm-hmm. what God does is he exchanges... Abram and Sarai's barrenness for his fruitfulness, like for his life, and he enables them to to have children. And so I just, this is so amazing to me. I love to read that kind of stuff and understand that stuff because what happens now is that this action on God's part, it makes possible the future fulfillment of the promise that he made to Abram that he would be the father of a multitude, that he would be the father of nations, of many. So God was fulfilling his covenant by breathing his spirit, his life into them, and it changed them completely. I mean, it's just powerful. It's just, That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. So um, it's, I've learned a lot. I, I look forward to what Justin's going to share with us uh, this Sunday. 
in regard to that that relationship with Abraham and Isaac and Abraham and God. So it's it's all a father son mm-hmm. uh, relationship here because you got God the Father and Abraham, and you've got Abraham and his son Isaac. And yeah. I look forward to hearing about that. I like Abraham a lot because this is kind of when the world just kind of like, I mean, all the nations explode out of Abraham. So it's really, and there's a lot of lineage that um, comes out of Abraham and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because uh, I was on track to get a history degree. So the history, the first five books of the Old Testament are kind of my jam. Mm-hmm. So I love the history stuff. So um, Abraham is one of the people I like digging into. So Yeah. And, and you see where a, a lot of what happened prior to Abraham, it, it really was setting the stage for this relationship and mm-hmm. for God to establish his people mm-hmm. on the earth. So. And, then, and then you just see how... Um, from there abraham plays into moses moses mm-hmm. plays it. it's just I, yeah. I love how every i don't want to say orchestrated but i mean you well just, that's you pretty just orchestrated see you just see it <laughs> it's pretty orchestrated yeah, yeah. i mean the lineage and well, everything people get a little like oh when you say free will or orchestrate they go free will oh well <laughs> yeah so but, i didn't want to get into that but yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm all for, I, I'm, I'm a free will person for sure, but um, I also know that God is sovereign and omnipotent and mm-hmm. omniscient and all those things, and so he is, he is not, uh, he's not bound by, by our, our stupidity nope. or, good, our understanding. or good efforts. Yeah. <laughs> so, Speaking that's, of that's, stupidity and good efforts. Uh-huh, oh, wow, is, this, is that a segue? Yeah. Oh, jeez, okay, oh yeah, so... Yeah, because that's kind of all we had uh, that I wanted to mention that we really didn't get, were able to get into on Sunday. So, so I guess that's your so you're throwing that to me on stupidity and efforts. I nodded my head. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I said we were going to talk a little bit about what's going on currently in our denomination. Um, we are part of the United Methodist Church, and uh, as as a denomination, we are the Porch Community Church is, and um, there's been a lot going on, and uh, goodness, it's almost like where to begin and where to where where to start. Um, I, I think we need to start at not anything that's happening right now, but probably what happened at the last general conference oof. in Portland. Okay, well, just to give some context, sure, sure, because we do have some people that have joined our church since then. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean immense. I mean several people. We don't. So. We, people don't join our church. They partner. They partner in ministry. I'll put a. Dollar in the jar. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, our the United Methodist Church actually um, came together in 1968 from other denominations, and pretty you know there was the United Brethren Church and and uh, the Methodist Episcopal Church, and they formed, and almost from the outset, you had um, some some differing viewpoints on. On some some theological things, right? Um, but nothing that that was thought to be, um, you know, to, to stop them from forming a denomination. Um, and during that time, and kind of depending on where you where you are in the country and where you live, we have the United Methodist Church has some governing principles called our. It sounds this is riveting. It sounds so awesome. It's called the Book of Discipline. <laughs> I mean. It just always makes me think of like if if you get in trouble, like the, I could you know, hear like my dad going, "All right, go get the book of discipline." 
and that's like his paddles. Yeah, or something like, oh no. So yeah, um, but there's a book of discipline. And within that book of discipline, there are governing principles for every conference, every church, every pastor, every United Methodist agency, organization, and they agree to adhere to this book of discipline. And that's kind of been how it was for a couple of decades. Um, But then the last two decades, two and a half decades, I mean, it's really not that long that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe more than, a little more than maybe half of the history of this denomination. Um, There have started to be more and more conferences, um, which are basically, those uh, conferences are regional grouping of a United Methodist Church. So we're in the South Georgia Annual Conference. Okay. Um, so that's our conference. And we're in the southeastern jurisdiction, so southeastern of the United States. So, uh, yeah, I know some of you guys, like, if you're driving, you might want to pull over. I don't want to put you to sleep. But um, I mean, this stuff is important to give context yeah. of everything that's going on, but it is humdrum. Yeah, it is, it is. It is. So there's a North Georgia Conference, and depending on the size and state and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm from Oklahoma. See, I was able to throw that in there. Every week. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma is all, the whole state is its own conference just because of the size of it. But so um, there are, and there have been um, churches, there have been clergy members, there have been bishops. Bishops oversee a conference. They are um, elected to serve and and, oversee a conference there. So there have been bishops, there have been clergy, there have been churches that have not been in agreement and adhered to the book of discipline. Um, And in the book of discipline, there's actually like ways in which you're supposed to uphold the book of discipline. There's consequences for not um, adhering to the, let's say your ordination, uh, you know, the, the things that you agree to in your ordination or when you constitute as a church, like all those things. So there's been people that haven't been adhering to the book of discipline and, and groups of people. And then there have, there has been no, um, recourse. There's been no recourse. Thank you. I couldn't look for that word, uh, in regard to it's not adhering. And so word. it's just kind of been sitting there and stirring and, and being like that. Now, a lot of this, um, has been centered around and on, uh, human sexuality. Yes. Um, and that's kind of been the the crux and the the, the place where everyone has been um, frust- frustrated and angry and and hurt and you know you'll hear all sorts of things from all sorts of directions about how can you be a Christian and not being uh and not be okay with um you know in someone breaking the book of discipline you know mm-hmm. or so, you know the ordination of uh, practicing homosexuals or the uh, marriage, you know, performing marriages of same-sex couples, those kinds of things, uh, are some of the issues. And you'll have some say, how dare you not do that? Like, if you love God, then you love all people. And then you have other people saying, well, this is what we see in Scripture, and this is what we have affirmed as our denomination in our book of discipline about how we view marriage and all those things. So we do love God, and this is this and is we where do we love sit. people. And we do love people. This is what we understand mm-hmm. from Scripture. So they've got these very these viewpoints. Um, again, I know I'm probably saying way too much. So that's kind of all been the undercurrent. It's just been there. And every four years we have what's called a general conference, and that's when every United Methodist all over the globe 
So, I mean, they're, and they're all, I mean, Africa has a huge United Methodist population. Mm-hmm. Um, many other countries do as well. It's actually Africa's uh, United Methodists are growing at a much faster rate, and the U.S. is declining in many ways. So, um, every four yeah, years. Yeah, the missionaries here. Yeah, yeah, right. Every four years, uh, we have a general conference, and people are elected from their their annual conference, right? They're where they are. So, like, we have some South Georgia mm-hmm. people that would that that are represent us, and they would go to this general conference. And you have clergy and non-clergy, which we call lay people or laity. Um, that go to this conference. And at the last several general conferences, it has been attempted to be brought to to a vote um, to address this back and forth. And the, the it's been brought forth by those who we would say are progressives who say, hey, we want to change the book of discipline. We don't want to have consequences. Um, we don't, we shouldn't have to be, you know, brought before, you know, some sort of uh, board or group, you know, for breaking rules that we don't agree with to begin with. And then you've got people that you would say are traditionalists or conservatives who would say, hey, we're really, why do we, why are we not um, dealing with these broken rules? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know I'm doing the really, really, there's probably someone much smarter than me who's going, Shannon, you're not doing a good job. I mean, this is the quick catch up of what's what's going on is it quick though i don't know considering what it could be to make a short story long is basically what i'm doing uh (laughs) so every four years and this has been coming up and coming up and at the last general conference which was in um now there was one in 2016 and at 2016 which people thought hey maybe they'll finally deal with it they didn't deal with it and they said hey let's have a special called general conference in 2019 19 okay right and that was the one in portland right and it was am i and i might if i'm wrong tell me i don't know you might want to google it while i'm talking so no i think i think you're right so at the 2019 general conference it was kind of like hey this is what we're going to talk about this is the main focus we are finally going to make a decision and we're going to move ahead. We want to move ahead because the one thing that I hear from everybody, and yes. Six, uh, 16 was in Portland. Okay. 19 was in St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So yeah, 19 was where the special conference was. Um, and it was kind of assumed that it would be decided at the 2019 just based on, I guess, what people thought and conversations and, you know, there's groupings and people, you know, it's, it's, it's political because it's people and it's policy mm-hmm. and it gets political. And, um, we shouldn't be too shocked with that when you're talking about human beings and hierarchy and, and policy and money and stuff. So anyway, um, it was kind of assumed that, everything was kind of leaning more progressive and that um, that maybe the wording would change in the book of discipline and things would be very different. And for, you know, lo and behold, that is not what happened. Uh, it was called to a vote. And I wouldn't say the conservatives won. I'm doing air quotes right now. You can't see me do it, but... Uh, but the wording was not changed, as some progressive wanted. and But there was nothing uh, written or uh, p- 
put in motion that said, not only are we not changing the wording, but now we're going to uphold this and we're going to, we're going to make sure that those who are breaking these rules have consequences that they lose their credentials or, you know, they can't be a bishop or they can't do this, this, and this. So it really, people walked away from the 2019 conference on all sides. And you also have a group of people called centrists who really just kind of want everyone to get along. Right. And they don't want a lot of things to change and they want to try to just, and, and so you've got your progressives, your centrists and your traditionalists. And I, I know that the progressives and the traditionalists walked away from that general conference unhappy, both of them. Both sides. Because one didn't, they were like, Hey, so here we are, we're still in this same place. And both sides felt that. Mm-hmm. Because of that, though, and this is where I see how it was a good thing that that occurred, because what happened after the 2019 General Conference is that a group of people, and this was actually formulated by an African bishop named uh, Yambusu, and uh, he actually is deceased now. He died in a car wreck. Oh, goodness. Um, within the last year, which is, I mean, he was instrumental, and I think it was really important that it was an African bishop that brought people together. But he brought together people from different groups or camps, if you will, across the spectrum, progressives and traditionalists and centrists, and said, can we come up with a plan so that we can um, go forward for Jesus and and let's let's amicably let's let's gracefully part ways and let's just go be about Jesus because we are by our continuing arguing and all this stuff cuz i mean the news cycles every 4 years love when the methodists get together for a general conference oh yeah because they know that it's going to be you know there's going to be protests it's and gonna there's going to be, gonna be th- yeah and so he brought these gr- these groups of people uh, equally, like it wasn't just all conservative or traditionalist. It wasn't, you know, was, uh, and and they were these were people who represented some very what I would say are powerful groups representing their position, mm-hmm. and brought them together. And in that time, in that meeting, they came up with what we have referred to as just the protocol, but it's actually called the protocol of reconciliation, reconciliation and grace through separation. <laughs> Try to say that. Yeah, so you just call the protocol, and it's in that protocol that says, "Hey, let's at our next general conference, let's pass this protocol. Let's let some groups form their own new denominations. Um, Let's let any group. It doesn't matter if you're a progressive church or a progressive clergyman member, or whether you're a traditionalist church or a traditionalist uh, clergy member, um, or even a centrist for that matter. But if you are unhappy," And if you don't think that you are um, living fully into, like, and that the, the church is not living fully into its call to make disciples of Jesus Christ, and that this issue has been an obstacle, if you're done, if you're done with that, you don't want to be in it anymore, let's allow us to gracefully go apart and form our new denominations, and let's do the work for Jesus. And that group came to a decision. I think that was really, really profound because it wasn't one group or another presenting this. Up to that time, there'd been a couple of things kind of floated around as, hey, we're going to make this proposal. But it was leaning, you know, all one way or all the other, or there was just glaring problems with it. Um, this this protocol was one that actually people signed on to and said yes. 
Um, and I'm talking progressive bishops, progressive uh, traditional bishops, clergy, lay people, all the way down. So here was the protocol. It was ready to go, and we were ready for General Conference 2020, and it was going to happen. And then I don't know if you um, were watching the news or anything, but there was this thing called COVID that happened. Mm. Um, and so it, <laughs> uh, it shut it down because you've got delegates coming from all over the world and you got to get visas and all that stuff. And so we didn't have general conference 2020. They didn't do it over zoom. No, no, they did not. They did not do a zoom, uh, thing. So then they said, all right, well, we'll, we'll push it to 2021. No problem. Well, uh, the, it was going to happen in September of 2021, and they've recently said, I think it was just last week, um, or I can't my get my timeline straight. Recently, they said we, we can't do we can't do September, or August, late August, early September yeah, yeah. Um, for general conference because we still can't. People aren't getting you know we need vaccinations. You know, some countries they're not going to let us in. Out visas, and right? Stuff like exactly. That. So yeah. they were like, we can't do it. And everyone's like, okay, we kind of saw that coming. It's probably going to be 2022. Well, then in the meantime, and this happened just last week, uh, the uh, the bishops, they the the group that that plans, you know, the general conferences that come together, uh, there was a decision made that they will meet actually um, virtually. They will have a general conference. It's actually going to happen in May, so in a in not very long from now. Yeah. Except they're not going to talk about the protocol. They're going to talk about 12 items um, that have to do with uh, approving their budget for the coming year and retirement and appointment of new bishops. And they're refusing to deal with the protocol. And that has made a lot of people... They're like, look, if you can have a virtual conference about that, then you should be able to have a virtual conference about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just throws a whole wrench into it because, um, you know, so they're saying, look, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be electing bishops because we don't know what conferences are going to look like because we, you know, if, when the protocol finally or, or whatever is presented that can be discussed and voted on and agreed on so that people can go there, you know, make a decision together and then go their separate ways and do ministry, um, we don't know how many bishops we're going to need, what our conferences are going to look like. I mean, all this stuff. And so it's almost like, why are we making this decision? It, it really has upset, a, again, across the board people, progressives, traditionalists. Um, it's, it's, people are not happy. So, and I've been in a couple of meetings and conversations. I was in a Zoom meeting last night uh, with people all over the country about, about this, and they're just not happy. And so, what does that mean? Um, well, also, yeah. Monday. Yeah. The- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, let me miss one other thing before okay. before yes before Monday. So, in the meantime, that you know, we're not going to be able to meet to vote. Oh, but we are going to do virtual for this. But we're not going to talk about it. Another plan has been presented called the Unity Plan, and it's <laughs> it's. It wants to keep everybody under the umbrella of the United Methodist Church with the cross and flame, and but let people decide what conference they want to be in, and that conference can decide what their book of discipline, they can write their own book of discipline, and they can frame it how they want, and 
so basically it's saying, hey, let's just have three or four different denominations with different books of discipline, but let's all be called United Methodist. Um, now I'm doing, I'm painting this with a real wide brush right now because mm -hmm. there's just so much. We've got agencies that oversee so much, you know, you talk about pensions and insurance and all these things and, and, and they're, they're dependent upon all the churches, you know, yeah. paying you know, back into the, the system. So there's a, there's a, a monetary issue going on here too. Um, and so this unity plan was put out there and it's, it's kind of, it's gotten some traction, but the feeling for those who, who are in support of the protocol, mm -hmm. um, again, doesn't matter what side you would say you find yourself on, but that the feeling for those who support the protocol is that they're just trying to keep, as far away from us making a decision on the protocol so that more and more people are, you know, disenfranchised and you just don't have to deal with it. And then you've got the whole issue where there's just people, bishops and others, leaders who they don't want to make, they don't want to be the ones on watch whenever a denomination splits. They don't want yeah. that on their watch. And I, I, I think it's kind of selfish, but I'm also mm -hmm. like, I'm one of those people. It's like, Oh, we can do something better and different and we can get, uh, let's go. Like, why aren't mm -hmm. we already there? Right. So that's been kind of a personal frustration for me is let's get there. So yeah. So this unity plan was brought up and then, um, and it's funny because all of this was already planned. Like this wasn't like a response, but so on Monday, March 1st, um, a new denomination and there's been other denominations. There's a, there's a a progressive nomination out there called uh, I think it's called the Liberation Connection or Liberation <clears throat> Methodist Connection. I can't remember. Um, we really need to find out who's in charge of names. Yeah, yeah, and it's an X in the connection as oh, well. Is it? So yeah, oh, but yeah. so there's that. There's some, and and I would say more like the Reconciling Ministries Network, who progressive leaning groups. Like that's kind of where they're going. So they've already established that that's going to be their uh, new denomination if and when. Mm -hmm. um, on Monday, uh, a group, a new denomination has been. It hasn't been like legalized it or that doesn't sound right. It sounds like you're talking about marijuana or something, but it's not a new, it's not a legal entity yet. Gotcha. Um, and, but it's called the global Methodist church, which will be a place where, uh, more conservative leaning churches can find themselves once, uh, that the UMC comes to some sort of decision. Mm -hmm. UMC being the United Methodist Church. So you're talking a global Methodist church, which is more conservative. There's a couple of uh, more progressive uh, denominations that are that have kind of already formed as well. So the global Methodist church is not the only one that said, hey, we're going to take our people and we're going to go. Everyone across the board is saying, we got to get out of here. Not, not everyone. The centrists are like, please, can we all stay here? Um, and can we just all share the cross and flame and let's thoroughly and completely confuse anyone who comes to our church because they don't know what they're going to get when they walk in the door, because it's going to depend on where you are and where you live and what, you know, it could be it could, on the same street. You could have two different right. churches. You could have two churches with a cross and flame that says United Methodist, and one could be on one end of the spectrum and one on the other, and you wouldn't know. Unless you, Unless you know, 50 minutes. In. Right, right. So it's like, that's, I don't think that's a good, that's not a good witness. And it's not a good, uh, you know, I think it's just confusing to people. Mm -hmm. Now, let me point out for those who are like, 
why is this such a problem to deal with this? No, why have churches not already left? Why have whole conferences not just said, we're going? Like, we don't agree with this, and we're going. We're tired of being told we can't do this. Other conferences saying we're tired of people, you know, like, we're just tired. There's this, there's this thing in the United Methodist Church called the Trust Clause. And the Trust Clause basically says that all property, land, buildings of United Methodist Churches don't just... They don't belong to that local church. They actually belong to the, they belong to the annual conference and or the United Methodist Church, like all over. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are like, what? Hold on. So like, for instance, here at the Porch Community Church, we pay the mortgage, we pay our bills, uh, we, the mortgage is in our name, everything, all all that. But if we wanted to leave the UMC, um, we are in a trust clause, and and Georgia law is is uh, is upheld trust clause. I mean, there's there's not a lot of uh, examples and cases of where they have gone against trust clause. So, um, where it's okay, you can go, but the land and the building and any improvements and anything that you have there and your bank account belong to United Methodist Church. So you can leave, but you know, and that's that's why. Um, so many churches have, this is why people feel like they're being held hostage is where a lot of this is. Um, and so, um, especially I think of, I think of some of my colleagues who are at these older churches or churches in these, you know, like Savannah, you know, or, uh, you know, Macon area, these churches that have been around for a long time and they have endowments and they have, you know, tons of property and very expensive buildings and all of these things. And they're going, we, we can't leave. Like we, you know, financially we would be nothing. And, and so we're, we're going to stay. And, and so the trust clause has been a huge, um, problem issue for I mean, th- this is the whole reason that things have not imploded up to this point is the trust clause, and um, what what one of the things in reading about the um, global Methodist Church, I haven't I haven't read any um, on the more progressive side, but in reading on the the global Methodist Church, the conservative side, uh, there will be no trust clause in their denomination. They don't want to hold that over churches. They want churches to be able to freely participate in in the life of that denomination and and be connected that way so uh yeah that's kind of where we are so let me ask this what does that mean for the porch community church right like where what what does that mean today and Mm -hmm. what does it what does it what horizon is being painted sure for the porch specifically. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a good question because in all this conversation, I think it's easy to forget the actual local church, which is where, you know, the boots are on the ground, which is where church is happening. Um, for us, you know, for some people that, uh, for many people actually who come to the porch, they probably, they might not have even known if we were necessarily United Methodist. Now it's on our sign. Um, we don't hide the fact that we're United Methodist. Uh, we are most definitely Wesleyan in our doctrine, which is a United Methodist, you know, part of who we are. We, we are Wesleyan. You can Google that later and look up what that means. Um, but we are most definitely a grace filled 
theology and doctrine and how we view God and how we believe he views us. Um, and so one, you've got that, who even knew. There's people that didn't know a thing about there's been a there's been some infighting for decades. There's people that didn't know that. Uh, there's people that didn't know anything about General Conference and all that's recently gone on or that a new denomination. You know, I've, if you look around on the news, you know, you could Google it. You can see that um, when it's mentioned about a new denomination, there's been some stuff out in the news about that. So in the meantime, nothing will change here at the Porch Community Church currently. Like nothing is going to, like no one's going to come and lock our doors tomorrow or anything like that. There's nothing like that happening. We're going to keep following Jesus for our community. That's what we want to do. I talked to a lot of colleagues who that's exactly what they're saying is we're going to keep being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do. Um, I know that in conversation, there's some, you know, Trying, trying to understand, um, could an entire annual conference, so like, let's say, could the entire South Georgia annual conference say, hey, we want to align with the uh, global Methodist church, the GMC. We'll have to start learning to say that. Not Chevy, but GMC. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we might get in trouble for calling it GMC. I know, we might. Um, but like, could a whole conference say, hey, we want to go with the global Methodist church, and then if there are some churches within the South Georgia Conference that don't want to do that, then they could have the option to align with a different denomination or stay in the UMC. So that's a conversation. Um, what I do understand is that if annual conferences are given the option to make a decision for their whole little region, you know, mm-hmm. um, that a local church, if they say, oh, well, we don't, we don't know if we agree with that decision, the local church would have the option to um, to go in a different direction, but all of this hinges on the protocol being passed. Right. And as of right now, the protocol, Isn't from all right. we know, is not going to be addressed until twenty twenty two at the earliest. Right. Now, I was in a meeting last night, and there is going to be a motion made at this virtual meeting in May to add as a thirteenth topic. The protocol, um, but it is most likely not going to be allowed to be added or to be discussed or voted upon. Um, but I know that there are people who are trying to get that on the agenda. Um, but it probably won't happen. So in the meantime, um, I know that the Global Methodist Church wants very much for the United Methodist Church denomination to make a decision before they do anything. Because they don't want to just be like we're out of here. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, you know, it just causes a lot of heartache um, and headache. I know for a lot of people. So back to your question, what does it mean for us? We're going to keep following Jesus for our community. We're going to listen. We're going to pray. We're going to continue to have these conversations. This is the first time I've ever, I've gone really into this. Of course, as our leadership, we have a ministry board. We've had a few of these conversations. Uh, I will continue to talk. We'll, I will talk more to the congregation, to our people, about these things as we go, um, to kind of, you know, say, Hey, this is, this is what's going on. Um, at some point, and I have no clue when that point is, Josh, I have no idea. At some point, I do think, um, our congregation will need to say, Hey, this is, this is where we feel God wants us to be. Um, and 
I whether that wherever that is where yeah right 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 um and um and that that day will come and and we'll be we'll be prepared for that day when that day arrives mm-hmm. so um so that's kind of so when I say it's been a week so there's been a lot of main big things happening you know the the announcement of the new denomination, which has been in the, by the way, it wasn't like a, you know, they decided on Friday they were going to launch a denomination. This has been in the works since 2017. They have been doing the work uh, behind the scenes to launch the global Methodist church. So, and with the caveat, this is recorded on Tuesday. If anything has come out <laughs> yeah, by the time I this mean, is released. Yeah. I mean, between now and Thursday morning, I mean, you, you never know. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of all of that. Um, but to the reason we did go into this this with this podcast is because news broke about the new denomination mm-hmm. on Monday, but they didn't really paint a clear picture that this had been in the works for a really long time, mm-hmm. and that it's not something that is active right now. Like there, there are some churches that have disaffiliated already and are probably in the process of joining the. Well, they can't join it right now not, because they're not a legal entity. Right, so that, right. there have been some churches, and I know there's been some in Mississippi. And we even had some in our conference this past year um, that that disaffiliated. They they followed the the steps that were put in place um, for churches to choose to disaffiliate. Um, that it comes with a monetary cost and and those kinds of things. They were able to leave with their property and all that, um, but. To my knowledge, and I, I, I don't even have a list of those churches, but I don't, th- I don't know if any of them have aligned with an actual denomination or if they're uh, just been independent during this time, or maybe they're in an association. I don't know if they will choose to align with a new uh, denomination. Uh, I know that the, the most of the churches that I know of are conservative mm-hmm. traditionalists and and they've left so i would think if if they did align they would align with the global methodist church so so, so with the launching of this new denomination it isn't like some of the news articles i've read has kind of said like this is it the umc's done yeah this is not <laughs> you, we're not at that place if you google it you know umc split it'll go back to like 2012 or you know, you know i don't know 1983 yeah. the umc split um yeah it's 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 a process and you know people from the outside it's probably hard to understand all the details and and this has got a long way to go with however it's gonna finish up and we'll talk about it more here when we more, sure will. more information yeah. comes up. But, yeah. uh, and eventually we'll, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'll dedicate a Sunday morning to it. I think um, this podcast is the perfect place But I think it. a podcast and, you know, maybe a, a, an in-person gathering of some sort, but I don't, I don't, I don't like to use Sunday morning time for, for, um, I don't know, informational kind of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to, let's, let's worship together. Let's be together. Um, so yeah, but down the road we will also have so podcasts and then in person we'll have some conversations. I know, but um, it all comes back. I want to bring it back. Can I bring it back around? Do it. I'm thankful for the God of a covenant. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for a God who keeps His part of the covenant with us, and He is faithful to us. And I believe that if we choose to just lean in and say, God, we want to be faithful to You. We want to live fully into the new covenant that you have established through Jesus Christ, um, that that we can 
we can move forward. We can uh, be the people of God, and and whatever name you want to attach to that, when you say we're the people of God, and this and this and this church, or this and this and this denomination, whatever it is, uh, we just want to we want to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so we are following Jesus for our community. We're going to keep doing that here, and um, yeah, Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so this week on Sunday, uh, we we go to week five of the Gospel According to Genesis, and mm-hmm. Justin's going to bring uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac, which is an amazing story. If you haven't read it, go read it, and then Justin's probably going to go a different direction than you're expecting. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Unless, unless you have the same brain he does. <laughs> I do not. Um, I do not have his brain. He does not have my brain. And we are all better for it because yes. you don't need two Shannons. We don't need two Justins. Right. We complement each other very, very well, yep. in my opinion. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that's all. Listeners, we appreciate you. Boy, you hung with us today. Today's the longest. This is a long one. I'm just assuming you hung with us. I mean, you might be back around. But uh, thank you. We're glad that you're listening. I hope that you've been encouraged. I hope that you have been uh that you're learning something as we walk through Genesis together. And uh, most of all, I hope that you see Jesus and that you share him as you go about the rest of your day. So we sure do love you, Porch Community. See you, bye. See ya! You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.